Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice, Rob and Pete are joined by the one and only Nick Alberga. It's the Holiday Evergreen Always Fresh Fantasy Hockey Edition. Season surprises, second half look ahead, top producers, waiver wire targets, the works. Stay dialed in during the holiday season. It's NHL Fantasy on Ice. What's going on, everybody? Jensen and Reese coming at you for this holiday edition of NHL Fantasy on Ice. Last show for at least the next week or so. So, Robbie, excited to get to some big picture topics as we near the midway point of the season. Happy holidays, everybody. Major picture topics on the show today. <laughs> We're going to break it all down for you and get you teed up for January 1st. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. This is an evergreen edition. For those that don't know what evergreen means in the broadcast <laughs> industry, always fresh. You can listen tomorrow you can mm-hmm. listen today you can listen a week from now you can listen when you're sipping on eggnog on christmas day mm. you could wake up on christmas morning and tell your children to listen you could have your aunt listen you could have anyone in your family listen and remember rate review subscribe for free get the word out the nhl fantasy on ice army is growing and we are on a mission so evergreen edition nick alberga joining us shortly but guys i want to hear from you I want to hear from both you folks. What is grabbing your attention currently as we look ahead to 2020? And remember, 2020 is going to be money! (laughs) Amen, brother. Well, I would say right, right off the bat, something interesting, boys, to bat around quickly here is strength of schedule. This is where you can get ahead of the curve in fantasy. If you've got the insider info like we do, you can sell high on guys that are going to have a tough time game played wise from here on out. Yeah, we're going to have a story on NHL.com slash fantasy. Look out for it. It's going to have games played, uh, how many each team has left the rest of the way, how that could play to your advantage, opponent strength of schedule or opponent points percentage, uh, like you alluded to, Rob. And I think a couple of teams, it looks like the Florida teams have uh, the easiest schedules. And that's at least good news for the Florida Panthers because they've been a little underwhelming, starting to sink in the standings Mm -hmm. a little bit. And this is on brand for the Florida teams for a couple seasons now in a row. So I might have to go down and have a little chat with the two schedule Hmm. makers, Tarek Tony and Nico and just see what that's all about and also this time of year I start to look at the playoff picture I know it's early but which teams are pretenders are the Islanders when they got blown out eight to three the other day (laughs) is that a sign of things to come I don't know but at least needs to be taken uh, with a grain of salt and taken uh, seriously if you have that mentality that they're going to fall off a cliff And not to go too deep into this, but I'm going to tee you guys up on something. Life on the line, Mm -hmm. okay? If I say to you, what team is definitely going to make the playoffs? Mm -hmm. And I throw these teams at you. Toronto. Yes. San Jose. No. Nashville. Mm, I don't know. Indifferent. No opinion. (laughs) Tampa and Toronto definitely will make it. Florida and Nashville, I'm not so sure on. And San Jose. And San Jose, I'm... uh, I'm out. I'm I'm hurting right now. I'm out on them. Florida will make it. I do think for fantasy, though, like you look at Robbie's rankings this week, top 10 defensemen, not only Burns is outside of that realm, 
Carlson as well. There's a good window to buy low on those guys. And But, but one thing I, I saw Bob Bugner said that uh, Brent Burns is not going to be shooting as much in the new offense. Did you see that? I'm not buying low. I mean, and I am the biggest Eric Carlson homer you're ever going to meet. I've got, I don't know what, what it is, but I've always had him number one in my D rank since right. I started here because it's a personal brand bias. <laughs> now I've woken up, I've smelled the roses, I've smelled the coffee, I'm drinking <laughs> the tea, and I am out on both those guys. I'm out. Where is the Eric Carlson that was with the Senators? Where is that human being? Where is that skater? Where is that player? Where is the guy that Doug Wilson ponied up to get? I haven't really even seen many glimpses, glimpses, excuse mm-hmm. me, of the Eric Carlson. I mean, EK65, as Robbie likes to call him. Where did he go and can he find it? I mean, you look at all the injuries he sustained. I mean, we've saw we've seen a decline from Subban. We're also seeing yeah. a decline from Eric Carlson, who's right around the same age, a little bit younger for Carlson. But he had an Achilles injury years ago. He had a bad groin injury, nagging him all year last year. Just doesn't look like the same player anymore. Makes mistakes and can't uh, make up for him as much. And I hate to bring this up because I've brought it up in the past, but you know when it all started to go downhill for Eric Carlson? When? The mm. moment he played in the All-Star game yes. in San Jose yes. yeah. oh, when man. he was not 100% healthy Don't and he wanted, to do the, he wanted to do the right thing for the fans <laughs> and the Sharks let him do it. Yeah. Since then... It has not been good. And you know what? That's the last time we saw vintage EK65. Right before that, right before that little injury tweak there, he was playing incredible, like two points per game. Now, is it, can it happen again? Absolutely. Anything can happen. But I do think we're going to try and, and help you guys, our listeners, stay ahead of the curve in fantasy and maybe not make the same mistakes like we do sometimes holding on to these guys that we always have the affinity for. And we got so many good topics for Nick when he comes on. I mean, we have some goalie tandems to get to, some second-half sleepers, uh, some guys who may have underachieved to this point in the season and have a chance to turn it on at the right time of year. All big things for fantasy hockey. Another thing I want to bring up is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Considering what they have done thus far this season with Sidney Crosby on the shelf and Malkin being on the shelf and all the other injuries that they've had and their starting goalie not being as good as advertised and having to rely on the backup Tristan Jari. The Pittsburgh Penguins, to me, when they get Crosby back, watch out. Unreal. And I've always been one of the guys that's like, oh, you know, they got lucky in the playoffs, a couple bounces their way. No, there's something really ingrained in that team, and it's been like that for over a decade now. Two words. Mike Sullivan. Even before Sully, they had the magic. Even before Sullivan, for sure, but this coach has done a great job. He has been terrific. For sure, and we were looking at the FanDuel points per game leaders for the entire season so far. It's amazing at like four different positions they have guys that are in the top ten and performers. You know some of the names like Malkin and Chris Letang and Tristan Jari who's been a breakout player, but like even Brian Rust. Brian Rust is a top five wing in FanDuel DFS this season. Let's give him a round of applause. That's pretty amazing. Good insert applause sound clap there for (laughs) Rusty and let's bring in our friend Nick Alberga who hosts Unmuzzled Pod Podcast. He also does pretty much all of Sportsnet's fantasy coverage. Hit him up for any advice you can see there. Also, Nick, just to kind of tee you up here, first half MVP, who you got? Greetings and salutations, first <laughs> and foremost, boys. Um, 
you know, there's a variety of routes you can certainly go with this. Um, I put this together last night. How can you not go with Nathan McKinnon, not only in fantasy, but in reality? I think, you know, a big thing to look at is the importance of this player to your fantasy roster. I own him in a couple of my leagues. Just more so the fact that Rantanen goes down, Landeskog goes down. Mm-hmm. There's been so many injuries across the board in Colorado, and McKinnon has not skipped the beat, boys. I think he has been phenomenal. Again, there are so many guys who can be in this conversation. Jack Eichel with the Buffalo Sabres, certainly Dreisaitl, certainly Connor McDavid. You look at Marshawn and Pasternak, but my decision came down to a guy who just he just means so much, way too much to his organization. And even without guys who are really supporting cast on his line, he continues to do his thing, and that, that is Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche. Where do you guys sit on this topic? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I think the Edmonton guys have made a collective statement. Of course, one guy you didn't mention that I think needs to be mentioned just because of the scope of the position is Johnny Carlson. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen what Burns and Carlson, uh, Eric Carlson speaking, did in certain seasons where they went point per game. But this guy's on pace for over 100 points. It's just like he deserves a case, I think. And I've got three guys listed based off average draft position. It's Mac is my number one MVP mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, you could get him at like six or seven hole in drafts. So we're at phenomenal value there. And then also John Carlson, as Pete mentioned, and Dougie Hamilton for the Canes too. Where he was drafted, it's unbelievable the value that he's returned so far. Now, Nick, yeah, you got, oh. yeah, you got to look. Sorry to interrupt that guy. I think you got to look certainly at that aspect too when determining you know a, a, a winner for for MVP at this point in time because certainly. I think, you know, guys who have been sleepers and have produced the way they have, like, they, they're so integral to the success of, of your fantasy team. And the only reason why I didn't include John Carlson, because I thought there was some weird verbiage, even in the fantasy world, where uh, a defenseman can't win the Norris Trophy. But uh, I'm with you. Like, he's having an epic season right now. And speaking of McKinnon in Colorado, I wanted to ask you about Kale McCarr, because Colorado right now has the highest PDO in the league. Do you think... Kale McCarr is a sell-high candidate, or do you have the trust that he's going to keep this thing going in his rookie season when he comes back from injury? I definitely would. Uh, in fact, it happened in one of my keeper leagues a couple weeks back. Kale McCarr was dealt, and then the owner looks bright right now because McCarr got hurt like two games later. Um, you know, I, Obviously, I think he's a vast importance to that team. The exposure to McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen is, is unbelievable. That Colorado team is legitimate. Uh, I can't wait to see them add at least another defenseman between now and the trade deadline. I like the fact that they didn't acquire Taylor Hall, held on to their equity. Um, but I think the only thing I wonder, guys, when it comes to Kale McCarr, like you, you, you sometimes forget that these kids come over from college and are not used to the 82-game sample size and schedule mm-hmm. of an NHL season, and they do tend to run into a bit of a rookie wall. So that is something I'm very curious to see when McCarr does come back from this concussion um, how he fares and if he hits a bit of a wall. But uh, the way he started far and away, and uh, I've been pipping uh, Victor Golovson since day one. Mm-hmm. I know I had this conversation with plenty of editors, including a friend of the uh, podcast, Rory Boylan, over at sportsnet.ca, that Olofsson deserved more play. And then the argument was used that, hey, he's a power play specialist. But last time I checked, he's been getting point to point, five on five on Jack Eichel's wing and has made uh, certainly Jeff Skinner very, very expendable. So I think mm-hmm. Olison deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing in Buffalo, too, as you mentioned. Pete. Just quick reaction on McCarr here, Nick. I think that the only difference with him, even though he hasn't played an 82-game season before, is just that exposure to the top power play. I think even if he's playing 19 minutes a game from here on out, he's going to stay relevant. 
So that's why I think he's got good staying power. And then for surprises here, first half, I've got two on my list, Tristan Jari for the Penguins, and then Semyon Varlamov, good bounce back story. Who's on your surprise list in fantasy, Nick? Um, I wouldn't really claim him as a surprise, but certainly anybody on the Winnipeg Jets. Like Patrick Liney is a guy I had ranked really high. Um, I like what he's brought to the table in terms of consistency and points and goals and everything. Like he's been um, stat stuffing to this point. Connor Hellebuck's another guy. I looked at my, my preseason rankings. I actually had him number 33, which was higher than most people out there. Um, to me, I think he's got to be the front runner, at least at this point in time, for the Vezina Trophy. Just more so. Uh, of his importance again to Winnipeg, like for the for the big chunk of this season, they've been missing like their first, second, third, and fourth, and fifth defensemen in the last couple of years, and uh, they just continue to win. And a big reason why is his 9.26 save percentage and sub 2.50, um, you know, GAA. Like I think he's been so strong. And Paul Maurice deserves a lot of credit. The structure and strategy of the Winnipeg Jets from a defensive standpoint, uh, I just think there's been a lot of value when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets now. Another guy throughout there is certainly a guy who has proven in the past. Like he does, you know, David Perron's a guy who's always been a curious file to me for a variety of reasons. Like he's mm-hmm. demonstrated the ability to get 65.70 points, but he does get hurt quite a bit. Um, I think, you know, he's certainly on track for his best season ever in the NHL. I, I think when you look at St. Louis in general, those guys have really stepped up in the absence of Vladimir Tarasenko and. Um, I, they just continue to possess uncanny depth, and I wonder, um, you know, how, how big that will be for that team again come the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because line one can beat you, line two can beat you, line three can beat you, and line four can beat you, and it's a bit different than, you know, most other contenders out there who seem to be very, very top heavy. So, I've been uh, really, really impressed with them. Andre Burakovsky is another guy. Like, mm-hmm. I think you, you look at, you know, d- daily fantasy guys in Colorado. Like, everybody seems to jump all over their guys, whether it be Val Matushkin or Jonas Donskoy or Kadri. Like, guys aside from their top line. And then that's just very, very valuable, I think, when you come to streaming options. I've liked Colorado quite a bit. And for the surprises, I think Darcy Kemper needs to be mentioned. He's a top-five goalie right now. We expected the Arizona tandem to be strong, but the fact that he's emerged like this, and now they got Taylor Hall, I mean, he's got to be considered one of the top goalies in, in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like Arizona's another one, right? Like, I do think that team is legitimate. Um, I like the acquisition of Taylor Hall, certainly, and I think when you – when you look at Darcy Kemper, like you, people in, in the hockey world right now are starting to wonder if the Coyotes are for real because their goaltending has been phenomenal. And I credit to, to Darcy Kemper, like he steals that job last year. Ranta goes down, and then you know he comes into this season and he was maybe you know the one A one B type situation, but he has firmly grabbed that crease. So uh, Pete, I think you're totally right. And you talk about fantasy MVPs. I I, I think Kemper's got to be involved in that combo just more mm-hmm. so because he was ranked outside of the top 100 firmly in, in most fantasy rankings. And the value he's uh, he's providing right now is exceptional for not only Arizona, but his fantasy owners, I agree. No shade here, Nick, but if you're still wondering or anybody in the media is still wondering if the Arizona Coyotes are legit, you're <laughs> what I would call a late adapter, even after they got Taylor Hall. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah well, I've been calling them a wagoon, if you will, for like a year and a half. I actually... Um, on off the Russian Sirius XM NHL Network Radio was like my little shtick. I have a lot of shticks out there, but just calling, calling, calling you know Arizona a wagon because I do think they are, and I, I like how cerebral um, you know John Chaik is. Um, I predicted the Phil Kessel trade last uh, November and a prolific sniper was needed to get Arizona to the next level. I think even you know even though Kessel has struggled, and we'll talk about second half sleepers in mere moments. I think Kessel's uh, near the top of my list for that. 
Um, I just think he opens up time and space for other guys, and they're getting production. And uh, I think Hall was needed on so many different standpoints. Just as another option uh, to make that power play just a tad stronger. And again, I just think it boosts the value of, uh, of players around that Arizona roster. So I like them quite a bit uh, as do you, Pete. Nick, everyone knows here that uh, Bob Bender doesn't shy away at chiming in when he has an opportunity for a natural for a natural for a, as long as it's not david tatriano i'm happy guys okay very nice for a natural <laughs> promo to plug another podcast john shako will be on with dan rosen and sean rourke on the latest episode of nhl at the rink he'll be calling nice. later today so if you're a Great. fan of the coyotes if you're a fan of hockey in general tune in give it a listen subscribe for free appreciate your patronage you guys can move forward Nice plug there, Bobby. Great wow. stuff. Uh, strong delivery, as per <laughs> usual. Uh, for those second-half sleepers, though, Nick, I've got two on my list on the same team, actually. I have Jake DeBrusque and Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins. I'm trying to go off the beaten path a little bit. Do you yeah. agree, disagree? Where are you at on those guys? No, I like that. Like I was putting this list, uh, this list excuse me, together in the last couple of days, too, and you know there are the obvious names, but I like sort of the wild-card guys, as you brought up. Like Charlie McAvoy is a guy who intrigues me on so many levels, I, I do think he takes off. In my opinion, it's inevitable that Tory Krug goes elsewhere. I think Detroit's going to be a big team to watch for if Krug does get the free agency. I know Buffalo's going to try, or excuse me, Boston's going to try their hardest to re-sign Tory Krug, but mm-hmm. I think McAvoy has to be in line clearly to be that next guy to be a point producer. Although Matt Greslick's been a guy uh, when Krug went down this year to be elevated in the mm-hmm. lineup, so I think at some point in time McAvoy will explode from an offensive standpoint. Um, I got you know a couple couple guys that come to mind. You Saros guys internally through our text, uh, we, we've sort of debated. You Saros, is it finally time that You Saros takes over for Pecorine? And I, I think there's a lot of value maybe snagging You Saros just more so because of Pecorine's struggles. And I do feel like the goalie, the number one goaltending spot in Nashville, is wide open for You Saros to take right now for a variety of reasons. Uh, another guy I would add is is Dustin Bufflin um, on the majority of waiver wires right now and. If he does return at some point in time in this fantasy season, I think you got to pick him up. Um, certainly, I think, can provide a lot for a team. I mean, there's a reason this guy was ranked in most top 50s this year. I think there's a lot of value there. And a guy we'll talk about, I'm sure, later on is Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers. He's had a slow start this season, but I think he'll go somewhere that needs him in a top six look. I think Edmonton, that would be phenomenal in terms of the fantasy stock of Chris Kreider, if he can get somehow in a line with Connor McDavid. And Leon Drysaddle, I think clearly Tyson Berry and what he's done to turn around his uh, his season, his contract year uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, other quick hitters I'll throw out there: Phil Kessel, Alex DeBrinket, uh, Philip Forsberg's had a really really slow start, and uh, mm-hmm. watch out for contract here, Nick Backstrom. I know, I know, not on the level of, of Robbie's, um, you know, sort of picks. I do like those those guys. Nobody really thinks about. So I can also throw like Columbus's Cam Atkinson and mm-hmm. Pierre Luc Dubois to that uh, conversation, guys. Yeah, and in terms of second-half sleepers, some names I have. Christian Dvorak, for sure, playing with Taylor Hall, who quietly... So I looked at minimum 100 shots on goal among forwards. Taylor Hall has the lowest shooting percentage in the NHL at 5.5. So Christian Dvorak maybe could help him get going, and Kessel as well. And Oliver ekman Larson. we already saw a glimpse of it in his first game with Hall scoring the game-winning goal. So uh, what are your thoughts on those guys and how they could be helped maybe by Taylor Hall? Yeah, I like it. You know, uh, again, to go back to the Taylor Hall trade, certainly the biggest topic of conversation in the fantasy world the last little while and could be for the, the entirety of this season, just more so because of the ilk of the player who's been dealt here. Um, I, I still 
see uh, and feel a pass for Nick Schmaltz to play with Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall. I, I think from a skill set level, Nick Schmaltz is the best center that team possesses at this point in time. Um, I know they're trying Dvorak out there right now. I know um, they've been playing a lot of Schmaltz on the wing. I, I think clearly, you know, you're going to try for your best trio and they'll try some different things out here under Rick Tockett. So I think there's a bit of value still there with Nick Schmaltz, clearly. Uh, but you can't go wrong with Christian Dvorak. I think he has firmly put himself in sort of, you know, a look to be a top six player um, nonstop for this team. So I like that quite a bit. And I think anybody with the exposure to Taylor Hall, um, I think it's going to benefit. And on top of that, I think you guys would laugh, but I think New Jersey is a team that I'm, I would not be stunned if they find a way to start winning some hockey games now that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole circus of contract here, Taylor Hall has passed them by. Make of it what you will in terms of what they got in that deal, but he has moved on. He's now in the desert, and they can just worry about the season. And I wonder if, if there's some ability to you know buy low and, and have guys really erupt in the second half. If you're looking at guys like Blake Coleman and Kyle Palmieri and, and Nico Heeshear and, and Jack Hughes, and even to an extent streaming the goaltending situation with Mackenzie Blackwood, most importantly there, um, I think there's a lot of value to be had right now in New Jersey more so because there is pride in that organization. They got a new head coach. They want to play for him. And again, they're, uh, you know, they're whatever that was with Taylor Hall and that side show, it's, it's finally out of town. I wouldn't say I'm sprinting to the waiver wire to grab any of those guys, but Dave Satriano actually dropped Palmieri yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a little too early kind of trigger reaction, but I'm going to scoop him up and hopefully uh, we're in store for a big second half from him. Now, bounce back, guys. Nick, I've got two high-profile ones, Bobrovsky and Vassy, both goalies. Good schedules for those two teams remaining. Who's got the higher ceiling out of both of them? Oh, Vasilevsky. Uh, you know, you guys know this because I, I keep in touch with you quite frequently. I just traded for Vasilevsky in my keeper league in the last couple of days for Austin nice. Matthews one-for-one. One. A different type of setting in that league, by the way. But I do think it's a fair deal all around. I had an influx of, of, of center and uh, also goal scoring. And then Matthew scores two goals right after I make that trade. But I, I think Tampa, it's inevitable that team will find its footing. I know they're starting to worry just a tad there in that market. But when you possess that skill set and that talent and, and so many winners, like you have the reigning Vesna winner, you have the reigning um, Hart Trophy winner, Victor Hedman's one of the top defensemen in this league. There's a lot of depth up and down that roster. I think they're really going to start to play some inspired hockey here in the second half as the hangover of that four-game sweep to Columbus goes away here in the second half. But Brodsky's a guy like has fascinated me on so many levels. I know a lot of people going into this season were high on the Panthers and namely Bobrovsky. I just haven't viewed this guy, guys, as an elite goalie for like two years now. And the numbers mm-hmm. would back that up outside of like 10 games last year going into the Stanley Cup playoffs for Columbus. Yeah. Just nothing about the guy excites me. Like He has his moments where he looks really, really steady and then others where you're like, wow, this guy isn't great. So I, I, I actually passed on him in, in, in all my leagues. Um, I didn't go after that. I, in general, I'm not big on, on goalies and uh, players in general who, who sign big fat contracts and free agency. Um, you know, aside from a couple guys, we've seen that to be the truth and slow starts. I do think Bobrovsky clearly, you look at his first half numbers, guys, like there, there's only one way to go and that's upwards for him. I think the, the Panthers are a really, really good team and clearly their involvement in, in trying to get Taylor Hall leads me to believe that they want some more scoring on that roster. 
Yeah, the Panthers are an interesting team because you look at contract years like Hoffman, Dadenov, they're kind of struggling right now. So they need to win right now. They need, you know, they have that urgency. So um, hopefully a turnaround for Bobrovsky. One other goalie I wanted to get to with you. He's been out for personal reasons, Devin Dubnik. It's interesting circumstances because when he left the team, uh, they were struggling. Now they're playing so well. How do you view him as he uh, pertains to the Wild and their chances of, at returning value? You're correct, Pete. And uh, first and foremost, shout out to Alex Stalock, who's been a nice little waiver plug uh, the last couple weeks. For uh, sure. as Devin Dubnik uh, deals with things at home. And uh, Gabby Boudreau in general, like he, he's a lame duck coach right now. Who knows if he'll be there long term. But I think mm-hmm. he's done an exceptional job riding the ship in Minnesota after that dreadful first three weeks of the season where they were just pitiful and lost game after game after game. And uh, they've really rallied here. Uh, they, lo- they lost Jason Zucker the other day, but Eric Stahl has really bounced back. Kevin Fiala has shown glimpses. I think there's been some value established in Ryan Suter in the back end. I think a deep sleeper right now to add to that conversation is Matt Dumba. Um, I think you look at his numbers last year, guys, before he went down with just that terrible injury in a scrap. Um, was just his point production and how it seemed to be skyrocketing, and now he's sort of plateaued again. Like, he's been pointless in the last a billion games, last I checked and last I watched with Minnesota. But I, I think his exposure to that team playing free reel and, and run and gun, I, I think, could be beneficial to that fantasy stock. But, um, there, you know, definitely I think when you, when you look at Dubnik, I, I think um, he, he is steadily available in most leagues and the way Minnesota has been playing, you're, you're a bit iffy because they do surrender goals, but I think Dubnik's a guy who's been around for a while in the fantasy world and he, he's been very, very reliable. So I would definitely uh, take a look at that file. Is there one skater in particular that you'd be willing to sell high on entering the second half? Uh, there, there's a variety of guys. Like You guys know how I feel on Evander Kane. He's not a top-20 fantasy guy. I know you guys mm-hmm. disagree with that, but uh, I just think the sell-high ability has to be there right now because people are infatuated with the penalty minutes. If you have penalty minutes, if you have hits, like Evander Kane does bring a lot to the table, but I think throughout his, you know, what, 10 years in the NHL, wherever that is, um, certainly he has demonstrated the ability to be very, very streaky along, you know, with most fantasy players. So I think he's a good sell high candidate. Clearly Ottawa, like JG Pajot is playing above his head. I know he's, he hasn't had the same success as of late. Uh, Anthony Declare. I think when you look at those two, I think Ottawa likely will trade both of them between now and the, and the trade deadline. Um, so certainly I think you, you look at that. Um, Ryan Strom with the New York Rangers. I just mm-hmm. wonder how long, um, you know, he'll have that exposure to our Tammy Panarin five on five. I think mm-hmm. right. uh, Panarin was brought in and, and, and told that you're going to play with me because of Anajad. So I think at some point in time, they're going to come and put those two back together. Brian Russ is another guy with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I know you guys will disagree again, but Tristan Jari's a guy I'm selling high on right now. I'm offering people Tristan Jari on one of my <laughs> rosters left and right because I'm a believer in Matt Murray and maybe I'm in the minority in that situation. But I think we do sometimes forget as fantasy owners, how long um, a fantasy season truly is and how guys are going to go through their ups and downs. Like three weeks ago, we were talking about Carey Price was finished, and now he, he's been so rock steady. So I think you got to temper expectation just a tad. And I think Matt Murray, once he finally gets an opportunity, because they keep riding Tristan Jari here, I think Murray's going to have a chance to step up here in a contract year. I think between Murray, Pecorine, Philip Grubauer, some of the uh, trending down goaltenders over the past week or so. There's some good appeal there and taking a chance on them in fantasy. And speaking of Colorado, last thing I wanted to get with you, uh, Pavel Franco, 
What do you think of this player? Does he have a chance to really unseat Philip Grubauer now that Grubauer is back? No. Um, and, you know, I, I've just been on a never-ending journey to find out how you pronounce this guy's last name. Is it Francois? <laughs> is it Francois? Now, luckily, as you guys know, I have great ties to the people um, in the media department with the Avalanche. It's, it's Pavel Francois now. So we're going with Francois. Um, and uh, I think he has been such an admirable pickup in fantasy hockey. Um, certainly for Philip Grubauer, as you guys know, uh, gets hurt quite a bit. And a lot of goalies, um, you know, the position in general is very volatile. But I don't think there's there's any mystery there. Um, I think in this day and age, especially guys in fantasy hockey, and, and David Tetriano, the uh, the uh, goalie whisperer, will be the first to tell you, like, it's so difficult now as opposed to 15 years ago when I can pick Martin Brodeur fifth overall. I know I'm getting 75 starts out of him. Um, I think it's integral in terms of timeshare. They're not going to call it load, load management, uh, similar to Kawhi Leonard in the NBA, but I think it, to an extent it is in the analytical era. And I think uh, Francois just provides even more in terms of depth for Colorado um, because they know that when he comes in there, uh, he's going to be as reliable as Philip Grubauer. I know he struggled as of late, but uh, I think he'll find his footing. And I, I don't think there's a conversation for the number one goalie job in, in Colorado. I think it's still Philip Grubauer. Before you head out, Nick, tell us what's the latest with Unmuzzled. Um, so I had Ken Danico of, uh, of clearly the uh, Devils uh, call and MSG and, and former Devil three-time ta- three Stanley Cup winner. Um, I had him on uh, this week in the podcast, episode 20, so check that out. Uh, he, he was exceptional, as you guys know. Uh, he does some great work for NHL Network as well and just providing some depth to you know, the days of Marty Berdur and, 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 and Lou Lamorello and Scott Stevens, and he offered a great draft story. Like, he, he was really, really strong in terms of storytelling. We, we broke down the Taylor Hall trade as well. So uh, that's the latest, and I look forward to an exciting uh, 2020 in the world of uh, podcasting. I, I could not believe that now I'm through 20 episodes. Uh, it just wow. started a sort of a, uh, a venture this past summer into the podcasting world, and uh, I do feel like there are bright things ahead for the uh the golden muzzy brand, if you will. <laughs> we'll say that. Nick, certainly great things ahead. And remember, 2020 is going to be money. So thanks for joining <laughs> us. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. I just, uh, you know, associate 2020 with my uh, my laser eyes, boys. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Appreciate thanks, it, man. man. Have, Have a great holiday. holiday. Take care. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. You can catch Nick on Twitter at the golden muzzy. And one little thing I wanted to react here to Pete is the goalie tandem situation. I think this is where the future of fantasy lies, is having a tandem from a specific team. And I think what he was saying about Matt Murray really believes me, who I picked up Jari recently. I dropped Thomas Grice, picked up Jari. Mm -hmm. I felt pretty good about it, but I would feel great about it if I can also somehow get Matt Murray on the low right now. Yeah, I have a bunch of these tandems in my leagues. I have Arizona in the one that we're in together. I have Boston, who's been a great tandem. I know Rask has been struggling lately, but really viable. The Islanders, you can't say enough about them, Mm -hmm. even though a couple of bad outings from Grice lately. But uh, yeah, Pittsburgh's in that mix as well. Colorado as well. I would try to get both. If you have Grubauer, just try to get Franco. If you have Franceau, try to buy low on Grubauer. Try to solidify that one because Colorado, I think in the grand scheme of things, looks like a top five team in the NHL. And if we go back to last year at this time and we're looking at odds to win the Stanley Cup, you're looking at St. Louis and you're thinking, why not? They had the, you know, you could make, if you put $5 on that, you're a rich man today. So who do we have now going into the second half that there might be some value there? 
Okay, boys, let me throw out a couple teams and a couple odds. First of all, let me toss it your way. Who do you think is the favorite right now to win the Stanley Cup, if you were to say? Caps. It would have to be the Caps. I I would say Capitals or Boston. And Mm -hmm. as it turns out, and let's just keep in mind, we did not look at this prior. This is all off the cuff, so Mm -hmm. hang with us here. Um, So Boston is plus 800. The Capitals are plus 750. So the Capitals are the favorite Mm -hmm. right now to win the Stanley Cup. And I think that's fair. I would agree Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, as they should be. A couple other odds for some teams. Mm -hmm. Who are you you interested in? Dallas. Dallas. Plus 1,400. That's not bad value. That's good. Plus 1,400 for the Stars. Uh, Avalanche. What do you think? They are... They're probably high up there. They are plus 950. So I think they're the third team. So I think it's Capitals, Boston, and then the Avalanche at plus 950. I would put some shekels on Colorado. What about Tampa? Tampa. Tampa. Plus 1,000. Right now they're mm. they're not even in the playoffs if you were to look. So that's actually not that good a value to be honest. I would rather maybe the 1,400 for Dallas. And then what? give me the Oilers too. Team me up on them. Oilers plus 2,700 with Dreisaitl and McDavid. That's pretty good. If they can get would, hot. That's the bet out of those. I would take that. And you would imagine Edmonton is going to make a move, yep. right? They have to. I don't know who it, who it is. Who do you think? I mean, is it Tyler Toffoli? Is he a difference oh, maker? Great. I, that would be a great fit there. That would be unreal, actually. If they had two lines that could score, that team would be so hard to play. I don't know what's going on with Toffoli. Toffoli, they have... Uh, they relied on him or were going to rely on him, and he has not been great. Um, Islanders. Let's see. What are the Islanders? Islanders are also plus 1,400. But, again, do you really see them winning the Stanley Cup? And I mean, they're going to get they're gonna get a player also, right? What's uh, what's Toronto at? Boop, boop, I know boop, boop, Bobby's boop. a big – Toronto. Uh, Robbie, I should say. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, Robbie already measured out the parade route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> long gone. Happen. Yeah, that's – that's not impossible for that to happen, by the way. Plus 1,200. Not bad. That's I, I would good. take that. I would do that in Edmonton if I was a gambling man. If I were looking at it, I would maybe put a shekel or two on Colorado. I would look at Dallas. I would look at uh, I would look at Edmonton. I think Robbie's right there. The Blues, by the way. You know, geez, the defending champions. Oh, yeah, we haven't, even, we haven't even brought them up. Uh Plus eleven hundred, so that's that's, good not, too. that's not bad either. And that's without Tarasenko right now. Correct. I have one more question for you, okay. Pittsburgh. What's Pittsburgh? Because they could, maybe they could do it. That's yeah. the way they're playing without Crosby. I'm surprised you didn't ask about the Sharks, <laughs> Petey. You know, and uh, <laughs> there's I some told good you. value there. I'll we tell need you the Sharks too. Just the fact that we haven't mentioned them, there's some yeah. good value there. Plus thirty three hundred for the Sharks. Well, that's good. <laughs> See, that's good. Okay, so good value there, and the Penguins led by. Mike Sullivan, <laughs> Jimmy Rutherford. Your new favorite coach. Plus 1,800. That, see, that's, that's great. Too. So, yeah. Okay. There is good value there. So, I, so like, listen, so listen. And, and Vegas, I mean, Vegas Golden Knights, they are plus 950. So they're like the fourth team in there. That's not good enough for me. Not I would, good enough I value touch for you. That. I like the team. I like the same thing with Colorado. They could easily win it, but that's you're not going to get good value on that. So this is what I would do. I would focus in on the Dallas Stars. Mm-hmm. I would focus in on... The Avalanche, mm-hmm. and I maybe I kind of like your Edmonton scenario there, but they just got to get in, and then they'll be fine. But you know what? The Blues and Penguins wouldn't be bad plays from my perspective either. And what's Carolina? Because Carolina looks like an elite team right now. They went deep last year, went to the conference elite. final. They elite. are. They're oh. one of the be- better road teams. 
Peter uh, Mer- looked like think money against all these teams on the road. Petey Magic ain't gonna. Yeah, that's my concern. Petey Mrazic. That's my big. But concern. I mean, there's probably some value there, right? Carolina, plus sixteen hundred. Not as. That's good. Not, not as what not you would have thought. Yeah, you, yeah. You were hoping for something between the Sharks and Dallas. You mm-hmm. know. Somewhere and, closer to the middle. And the Coyotes are plus 1,300. I don't know if there's enough value there. Do you see no. the Coyotes winning the Stanley Cup? Winning? Now, we're talking about winning no, the Stanley Cup. Two tough. rounds. I have them at two it's rounds. It's tough. Okay. So it's there, too tough. There you have it. Tweet at us. Let us yeah. know. What, what's your best bet? If you're looking at Stanley Cup, odds, uh, hit me up at Airchecked. I'm very lonely. I'll be by <laughs> myself. Christmas Eve, I'll be by myself drinking a glass of scotch by the fire. Nice, and nice. I'll be looking at Twitter to see, you know, where the best bets are. This is my life. I, I can only tell you what actually happens. That's what will happen. It's sad. But it's true. If you're, if you're a hardcore fantasy owner, uh, you're probably taking one of those three days off. So like the 24th, 25th, or 26th, and like reevaluating your fantasy team as you should i think we're all going to be doing it at some point no doubt and i still think like this is a copycat league so teams are definitely thinking the same way we are where it's like oh we're not out of it this year even though Mm -hmm. we're in last place like st louis was so i think that's going to forecast an interesting trade deadline as well but this is the time in fantasy to make some moves so any more thoughts pete on guys that you might be willing to cut the cord with based on strength of schedule well one guy i wanted to touch on because I know he's playing really well right now. He's seeing some power play time. He's a fixture in the top six. Oliver Bjorkstrand, he has a high high shot volume. The Blue Jackets are, I think, lower on the lower end of the uh, shooting percentage plus save percentage. So maybe a little bit higher gear for them. And I think he's just like always been a sleeper candidate uh, that I would target in the second half. So you'd trade him? No, I would I would oh. pick him up. I was just saying someone that was fresh on my mind because he's you. been playing well. Let me throw something else your way. Who is the player that you believe will be traded and will be a huge difference maker? I'm thinking of players like Pajot. I already brought up Toffoli. Who is the guy that can be a difference maker in your perspective? Well, it's going to be one of two positions. It's either going to be a center or a defenseman because those are the two teams that put you over the top. I think Peugeot is a great call. That being said, it would be realistic for him to slot in as a 3C on a contender. So I don't think fantasy-wise he would put you over the top, but I think in actual hockey-wise he would. Yeah, I'm all fantasy. I mean, I know this is the fantasy show, but really, you know, come on. <laughs> I, I want to see like with the Blackhawks like I thought that was a really good call when I was listening back and you were mentioning like Robin Leonard maybe he could go to a contender there's also Eric Gustafson uh, their top defenseman mm-hmm. is a potential 2020 UFA so if the Blackhawks can't muster anything you bet that they're going to sell high or you know sell at the deadline with one or one or both of those guys the guy that I have loved all throughout the first part of this season is Tony Duke. Okay, he <laughs> is a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Tony Duke. And then the other thing, for those interested, and I want your perspective on this also, we had Linda Cohn, huge Rangers fan, mm-hmm. on with Jackie Redman and Mike Rupp, Puck Culture. They had a very interesting conversation, Linda Cohn, with some tremendous thoughts on what she thinks the Rangers should do with Hank Lundquist and Gorgiev. Now, she believes that the Rangers should hang on to Gorgiev, and she's wondering why Hank doesn't want to go to a contender to win a Stanley Cup this year or next to kind of relieve the Rangers of his mm-hmm. salary and to free up some some playing time for these goalies that the Rangers have coming up through the pipeline. It's an interesting conversation. I wouldn't trade Gorgiev. I wouldn't no, either. I wouldn't. 
They did the same thing with Ranta. They did the same thing with Talbot, who won 40 games the next year. I mean, but the, the, the right thing to do, the right thing much. to do, if you're the Rangers, is to trade Hank Lundqvist to a, yeah. a team that maybe can use him. The Sharks come to mind. Just to play devil's advocate here, what's so bad about being a one-team guy in today's world? There's nothing wrong with it, but Rangers fans are are trying to figure out, does this guy really want to win a Stanley Cup? Because he's not winning a Stanley Cup with the Rangers. If he does, it's going to be like a a flurry situation, him winning it in Pittsburgh while Matt Murray was Mm -hmm. the starter. Right. No, it's true. Does that really matter? I just think, you know, Hank's perspective, maybe there's just not as much interest in that anymore maybe you're a little bit jaded and hey he lives in manhattan for pete's sake he's lived here for 15 years now i think it'd be real hard to get traded to a team like san jose and pick up instead of living in the ph downtown manhattan living out by the beach i just i think it's just too different of a lifestyle the other question is is hank lundquist when he's you know 40 years old or whatever is he really going to be cool with playing you know he's going to be in new york playing what 15 games a year is that going to be cool with him uh, probably at that age. You'd I have I'd, to ask him. Yeah, I uh, yeah. You don't want to speak for I wouldn't anybody. I want to play only fifteen games. But, but is this is this a player that's going to win you a cup? Is he going to be the number one goalie and go on a deep playoff run too? That's what I would be asking if I was the other team. Well, I'm talking about right now. He he can go to a team and be a difference maker on a contender. The Rangers can get some players for him, some picks, whatever. The Rangers have a plethora of goalies, including Gorgiev, who has proved that at the very least he could be a serviceable backup in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. And a guy in the AHL that is performing tremendously right now. What's so, Hank's contract? That's what I got to know. I here. think he it's has one more year, right? And, and he's got big a couple money. more years. Then what? Then what's the value for another team? Well, listen, maybe the Rangers eat a little bit of that yeah, salary. They have to eat like half of I, it I or just, something. It's a big, I, big I, contract. I agree with Linda Cohn's logic here. It, it makes sense, but I think when you break it down and you you look on paper at the at this number, it's going to jump out at you. And I don't think that his ROI is going to be there. Okay. It's an interesting conversation. And do you trade Gorgiev then? Do you just no, hang on to him? you hang on to him. Okay. You, you, you cannot start screwing around with a player that's showing some, some glimpses. Yeah, it, it takes these guys a little bit longer to get going now. Look at Jordan Bennington. He didn't start playing well until he was 25. Right? I understand. And one of the interesting things or what makes this even more interesting is that the Rangers are not out of the playoff mix. You no. know, they're right there. No. So it doesn't make it very easy to trade one of your goaltenders. They so. do have a real hard schedule, though, according to our strength of schedule document. So they might have enjoyed this first half here. I, I can't say what's going to happen. I'm you know, a believer they're not they're not going to make the playoffs. That's what I believe. Me too. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I think deep down inside, John Davidson has to be looking at this situation and saying... Well, Kreider's probably gone. And Kreider's probably gone. But that, this is probably too much talk about the New York Rangers and Hank Lundquist. It is interesting. Mike Rupp, Linda Cohn, Puck Culture, Jackie Redman. Subscribe for free. <laughs> do it for me. It's a personal Christmas gift for myself. Please do it for me. For this tandem, I, I hope to see it be, nothing against Lundqvist, but I hope to see it be Georgiev and Shestjorkin as early as next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how the cookie crumbles. But to be clear, Lundqvist, $8.5 million this year and next year, and then he's done. And even for Shestjorkin, it might be nice to have him, you know, get half of his games in the AHL to start, get used to the smaller rice, a la Ilya Samsonov for the Caps. So I think, you know, same thing with the Islanders and their goalie situation. We'll probably be seeing this there too. Certainly an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I want to see Shestjorkin, Sorokin, and Samsonov yes, all in the same, same division. division. Maybe as early as next season. That would be cool. would be epic and great for fantasy, too, swinging it back to what our bread and butter is here. Put a bow on it, Peter. Listen, to the listeners, happy holidays. Enjoy it. 
take a breather, listen to the program, subscribe for free, rate and review. We appreciate your patronage, as I've always said and will continue to say. So thank you. Happy New Year. Best of health. Best of wealth. 2020, remember, is going to be big time money. So put a bow on it, Peter. Yep. Enjoy the downtime, everybody, with friends and family. And for Bender, Reese, Jensen, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for all your support this past season. And we'll look forward to talking again in the new year. Thanks for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice.